Uh, if you're joining us for the first time or if you're back after being away for a while, we've been hanging out in Nehemiah, which is a book in the Old Testament. And specifically, we've been studying the gates of the walls that Nehemiah repaired in Nehemiah chapter 3. And so today's a wrap-up and a celebration. And if you're here for the first time, I promise you're not going to get lost. There's something here for you. If you're joining us on Facebook this morning or any of our other online platforms, I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you'll stick with us. We're going to have some times of discussion around our, our tables, and there's food and there's drink here in this room, but if you're joining us online, you might want to grab a donut and some coffee and a friend that you can talk with uh, while we're discussing here, but it's going to be a good day. If you haven't been here for this message series, here's what I want to say to you. Um, if you're a guest with us today, I want to say to you, God has something to say to you. God has something to say to you, and I want to encourage you to stay open, even if this format might be a little out of your comfort zone. We're mixing things up today, but if you're uncomfortable, just press in, push through, because I believe God is going to speak to you today. And, and this is going to be a good day as we talk around our tables and as we take a look back at what we've learned over the last 10 or 11 weeks. As I mentioned earlier, this is a day about celebration. And I want to share some things with you from Nehemiah chapter 8. You don't have to open your Bibles this morning unless you want to. All of this will be up on the screen. But what we read in Nehemiah chapter 8 is about the celebration that took place when Nehemiah completed all the repairs to the walls. If you don't know the story, Nehemiah was part of a group of Jews that had been expelled and taken into captivity by Babylon. And after they'd been in captivity for many years, Nehemiah led the charge to go back to Jerusalem and repair the walls around the city. And we've been talking specifically about the gates that they re repaired. And at, after uh, they completed the repairs, the people assembled at the water gate to hear the reading of the law of Moses. You can read about that in Nehemiah chapter eight, but we're gonna pick up in Nehemiah chapter eight after that reading of the law. And here's what we read. Nehemiah chapter eight, starting at verse 13. On October 9th, the family leaders of all the people together with the priests and the Levites met with Ezra the scribe to go over the law in greater detail. They had just heard the reading of the law, now they wanted to know more. As they studied the law, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during the festival to be held that month. Are you with me? Shelters, just hang on to that word for a second, shelters. He had said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, telling the people to go to the hills to get branches from olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. And they were to use these branches to make shelters. You want to say the word? Shelters. Thank you. In which they would live during the festival as prescribed in the law. So the people went out, cut branches, and used them to build shelters on the roofs of their houses, in their courtyards, in the courtyards of God's temple, or in the squares just inside the water gate and the Ephraim gate. The Ephraim gate was near the fish gate. We didn't study that one because it wasn't one of the ones that Nehemiah repaired. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these 
during the festival, and they were all filled with great joy. Yes. And the Israelites had not celebrated like this since Joshua, the son of Nun. In other words, they had not celebrated this festival of joy for generation upon generation upon generation. They were reading about it in the scrolls and they decided to put the celebration into place. Now, this festival is celebrated to this day in Jewish communities. It's known as the Feast of... Come on, stay with me. It's the Feast of Shelters or the Feast of Booths. The Hebrew word for this celebration is Sukkot. You've probably heard of Passover. This is another one of those festivals. This is a celebration festival called Sukkot. And here's a short video that explains what Sukkot is all about. Did you know God talked about a holiday that someday all nations will celebrate together? Your knee-jerk reaction might be to guess either Christmas or Easter, but it is none other than the Jewish festival of Sukkot, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths somewhere between a telephone booth and your favorite corner booth at a local restaurant, but we'll get into that later. So what exactly is Sukkot? For starters, it's the last of the three pilgrimage feasts, Passover and Shavuot being the other two earlier in the year. For these feasts, the Jewish people travel on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem whenever possible to celebrate all together. The whole purpose behind this holiday is to remember how God brought them out of slavery and into freedom while providing for them all along the way. And these are reasons to celebrate. The telltale sign that the holiday is underway are the Sukkot booths, tabernacles that one can spot outside Jewish homes for the whole week. They are like decorated forts on their balcony or in the yard. Think camping. Well, it's more like glamping. People traditionally decorate them with harvest fruits, lights, and lots of color. It's a family affair and something that kids look forward to for months. Then they dwell in their sukkah for seven days, just as the Lord commanded to remember their time in the wilderness. And it gets even better. It wasn't exclusive for only the people of Israel to celebrate. This is something God expanded the camp from just his chosen people to all people. God encouraged Moses to gather all men, women, children, along with the foreigners of their land so they could learn to fear the Lord. Even way back then, God was training Israel to be a light to the nations. He desired to dwell with them during the Feast of Tabernacles. And hundreds of years later, he sent his son Emmanuel, which means God with us, to dwell with us forever. In the book of Revelation, we look forward to the somewhat constant Sukkot celebration, when God will once again dwell on earth with us. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This powerful image of the sukkah or tabernacle serves to commemorate God's dwelling among his chosen people in the wilderness. It's also a beautiful invitation to all of us to dwell with him forever. And now that's something we're celebrating together. So today we are celebrating our own kind of sukkah and your table is your sukkah, okay? Your table is your sukkah. So, here's how it can work. If you want a completely authentic experience, you can do the rest of this under your table. 
That'll be your shelter, all right? If that's uncomfortable for you, you're welcome to stay in your chairs, okay? But your table is your sukkah, so we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning feasting and fellowshipping, and we're going to invite Jesus to come and be with us because his name is Emmanuel, God with us. So would you pray with me, and then we're going to get the conversation started, okay? Let's pray. Jesus, you are God with us, and I can feel your presence in this room already just as we've been worshiping and beginning this gathering. Jesus, you're here. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us as we share together in food and drink and scripture and uh, fellowship. Jesus, we love you, and we want to experience your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's what we're gonna do first. Around your table or your sukkah, I'm going to ask you to take a moment to fill out a name tag if you haven't yet. There's a Sharpie on your table you can pass around and use so everybody can see the black ink. Go ahead and use your name tag. And while you're filling out name tags, would you also take a moment to check in? There's a check-in number. You can text your name to the check-in number. Do that real quick. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is your table hosts are going to get the party started with the food and drink. So you can go ahead and plas pass the platter, pass the coffee, all of that kind of stuff, and you can start eating. And while you're eating, here's the question. Here's the question you can discuss around your table. If you could be a tree anywhere in the world, where would you be and why? All right, go ahead and discuss. If you could be a tree anywhere in the world, where would you be? Go. Okay, I'll give you just a few more seconds to finish your question about the tree, and then we'll get started with our recap. And judging by the silence, maybe you're done with the trees. What's my answer? I would be a tree in Japan. Because it's on my bucket list and I can't seem to get there. I've flown over Japan but I haven't gotten to Japan. So what is yours, Colt? A redwood. A redwood in California? All right. Matney. Matney and Aaron, you guys are back. What are your guys' trees? An aspen grove where? Where all the elk are. What about you, Aaron? A Christmas tree. Nice. Do you have an angel or a star on top? <laughs> that was a trick question. All right. At each place, there should be one of these booklets that says gate check on it. 
Would you grab that? This is going to be our guide for today. And we've designed this booklet to be a review of the teaching that uh, we've prepared for the last 11 weeks. And uh, we, we designed this to be easy for you to just tuck in to your Bible in Nehemiah chapter 3. And it might be a good, uh, a, a good thing that you could keep to remind you of what you've experienced as we've walked through these prophetic messages from Nehemiah chapter three. And this morning, what we're gonna do, Kelly and I are gonna take just a moment to recap each of the 11 messages. And believe me, we're gonna go lightning fast this morning. Uh, but but if, if you haven't been with us for the last 11 weeks, this message series was really born out of an awareness that COVID changed us. And for many of us, we had closed some gates in our lives because of COVID and the politics of 2020 and all that kind of stuff. And, and we said, as a culture, I am never going to fill in the blank, whatever it is. And, and it was actually Kelly that really received a word from the Lord saying, we've got to check our gates because we've got some gates that need to be open, we've got some gates that need to be closed. And so what we're gonna do is Kelly and I are just kinda gonna teamwork here, and she's gonna recap the messages she brought, I'll recap the ones that I brought, and Kelly, you brought the introduction. So help us remember that message, would you? All right, you all, you look marvelous. Marvelous. Well, thank you. Um, all right, so before we could get to gates, we first had to address our walls. So the very first week of this series, we talked about how each of us are cities, right? And cities of value need walls to protect them. And of course, it's into those walls that the gates are built. But listen, um, you need to know that you are a city of value, each and every one of you. You need a wall. So here's what we need to do to, number one, check to make sure that our wall is in repair because that's what Nehemiah did, right? He, he went around the perimeter and he checked the walls and he made note of where uh, the wall needed work. So uh, we also, though, we need, to pre we need to maintain those walls. So this is what we do. One, number one, we take responsibility. We say, yep, I've got a weak place in my wall. I gotta get that taken care of. Number two, and, and by the way, all of these steps you can find in Nehemiah. This is what he did. Number two, petition the king. The king. You don't have to do this alone. This is a hard work on your own. Jesus, help me. Number three, survey the damage. Again, we're taking a good look at things. Be honest. Number four, partner with like-minded people. You need Jesus' follower community. Yes, you do. You got to have it. Okay, it helps to maintain your walls. And number five, plan for opposition, but expect victory because this is God's will for you. Now, we went around the gates from north to south and uh, the map that we have up on the screen is twisted a little, so north is to the right-hand side. But we started at the sheep gate and I taught about the sheep gate and the fish gate in the same week. The sheep gate represents the fact that Jesus saves. And we talked about how Jesus said that he is the source of salvation. He is our lamb, which is the meaning of the sheep gate. And Jesus also said, I am the gate. And so we talked about how we've got to trust Jesus to save us. 
How many of you know that sometimes we like to rely on who to save us? Me, myself, right? <laughs> Trust Jesus to save you. And then we went to the fish gate. That was the second gate that we talked about. And the fish gate represents the, the, the statement of Jesus when he said, I will make you fishers of people. And we talked about how in a healthy city, there should always be fish in your city. That fish gate led out to the road that went to the, the, the very fertile fishing grounds, and there would always be fishermen coming into the city and selling at the fish markets. And we always need to have unbelievers in our lives that we are fishing for. That's gotta be a focus of our lives. And, and I, I made a proclamation a few weeks ago for Connect. Let's get back to people fishing. And, and that's what the fish gate is about. Then the next week, we talked about the old gate. This was one of my favorite ones. While the sheep gate and the fish gate always need to be open, we talked about the fact that the old gate is a gate that needs to be repaired, and then it needs to be shield, sealed shut. The old gate prophetically speaks of the old way of life. And we talked about the fact that Jerusalem, over its history, had been renamed again and again and again. And did you know when you come to Jesus, he gives you a new name or a new identity? And that's what this gate is all about, is your identity. And, and I invited you that day to stay enfolded or stay connected to Jesus and close the old gate. If you were with us that Sunday, it was awesome. It was 40 degrees below zero. Do you remember? And we opened the sliding glass doors, and a whole bunch of us stood at those doors feeling how awful it is outside the gate. And we made a declaration, I'm closing the gates, and the gates came down. It was awesome. You can check out any of these messages, by the way, through the Connect Church app. That's a shameless plug. <laughs> the next gate we talked about is the valley gate. And again, this is a gate that needs to stay open in our lives, but it's a difficult gate because the valley gate represents hardship and humility. How many of you know that it's not any fun to go through hardship or the process of developing humility? But I believe what the Spirit is saying to us is we've gotta keep that gate open because if we seal ourselves off from the valleys in our lives, we miss some of the best stuff that God is doing. And, and I shared with you that God is gracious in the valley. You will, you will find the grace of God in the valley seasons of your life. And this is one of my favorite lines. Green things grow in the valleys. That's something you can hang on to if you're in a valley season of your life now. And then we rounded up the first five gates with the, the dung gate. I called it the trash gate. Now, this is a gate that has to be constantly in motion needs to be opening and closing, opening and closing, because it represents constant cleansing. How many of you know cities get dirty? You gotta take the trash out, right? You gotta take the trash out in order to stay garbage free. The other aspect of this gate, that's the trash part, but the other part is that this gate was used, it was the, the, the access point where the priests would take the ashes from the offerings in the temple and they would take it through this gate and dump it. They would dump those there. Why? Because if you have too much ash, you're not going to get your fire going, right? It won't stay burning. 
And so the whole, the whole deal with this is that, listen, there are things you've offered up to God, but there are still remnants of it. You need to take those out of this gate so that that fire within the tabernacle of your city keeps burning. So good. So good. Yeah. Now, the question I want you to, to talk about around your tables, it's up on the screen. What from these first five gates or from the discussion of the wall, what part of this teaching hits you? What do you hear God saying to you? And if you're a guest here today, don't be shy. There's probably something here that kind of piqued your interest and you can probably get some more information from the people at your table. So go ahead, share with your table, your table group, your suko, what hits you from these first five. All right, we're gonna keep moving along on our uh, tour of our recap, our recap tour. All right, you ready? Gate number six. These gates, these next five gates, start kind of taking us into gates that have to do with the character or promises of God, right? And uh, the first one we talked about was the fountain gate. And this one, prophetically, signifies the Holy Spirit. It is the source of Holy Spirit. And this gate, of course, should always be what? Boy, it better be open. It better be open. Because if you don't have this gate open, you got religion but not relationship with God. Get this gate open. All right? This is the access point to the source of living water. All right? You, you need to know, too, that this gate is a primary enemy target. How many of you know the devil does not want you to connect with Holy Spirit? That's right. Mm -hmm. This was the most destroyed gate of all of them. Okay? Also, this is our access point to heaven on earth. This is a kingdom we're a part of that is growing and expanding where we actually get to call heaven on earth, but you can't do it if you don't have this gate open. Now, the next one that I taught on was the water gate. You can see it there on the map that it's there on the east side of the wall. 
And the water gate historically is a very interesting gate because this is where in Nehemiah chapter 8, the chapter we just read from, the people assembled there to hear the law of Moses read. And so when I was researching, what I found was a lot of people said this gate represents the Bible because they heard scripture being read to people. But the more I pushed into it, the more I, I became convinced it didn't represent the Bible, uh, but it, it, it represents something different. It represents the thing that will satisfy your thirst. Jesus said he was living water, and if we are filled with his living water, we will never be thirsty again. And so although the Bible is very important, I'm not saying that the Bible isn't important, it is. The fact is John, in John chapter one, says Jesus is the word of God. And we've got to stay connected to him. Listen, the people, when they stood at the water gate, they heard the law being read to them, but just a short time later, they fell back into sin. Because law will never satisfy your thirst. The living water of relationship with Jesus will yeah. be the thirst quencher for all of us. So we've got to keep this gate open and remember that Jesus is the word of God. Make sense? Yeah. And then we got to the horse gate, gate number eight. And this is another gate that we want to keep open. The horse gate is a place that historically the horses that were used for battles went in and out of Jerusalem. And it's a gate that we want to keep open because we need to be engaging in battle with the enemy. And so I shared with you strategy for the battles we find ourselves in. And there were two sections of strategy that I talked about. Strategy for yourself and strategy for spiritual warfare for your fishes. Again, Jesus is calling us to get back to people fishing. So we need some strategy. So when we're battling for ourselves, the three strategies from Ephesians chapter six, you've got to identify the real enemy. Remember what Paul says, we don't battle against flesh and blood, right? So that means your mother-in-law is not the enemy. I'm sure. Even you. Hey, Connor. Identify the... <laughs> Was that Connor? <laughs> That's Kelly's son-in-law. That's really funny. <laughs> awesome. Oh. Chris and I would be glad to do a little counseling if we, you know. That's so funny. What, what'd you say, Chris? Oh, my mother-in-law. Yes, no, my mother-in-law is not the enemy. <laughs> I love you, mom. I thought that was Holy Spirit. It turns out it was the devil. Okay. We are going to identify the real enemy. Spiritual forces in dark places, right? And then Paul invites us to armor up. All the armor of Ephesians chapter six, you've got to know it and you've got to use it when you're in a spiritual battle. And of course, pray in the spirit. And then we talked about strategy for your fishes. And when you're battling for the people you're leading to Jesus, you've got to have the spiritual skills, the spiritual strategy to dismantle 
their defensive walls because they wall up behind defensiveness. And we talked about the necessity of loving people well and, and being able to reason with people well in a loving way. I encourage you to use no condemnation. Condemnation doesn't bring anybody to Jesus. And then we talked about this. Get people connected to Jesus first and then let Jesus raise the bar. I think all too often we get it reversed. We want to raise the bar and then get people connected to Jesus. Um, I want, I'll remind you of the question I ended with that Sunday. Does Jesus really need your help to raise the bar? All right, gate number nine, the East Gate. Listen, you know, it's very striking to me, and we talked about this a while back in team teaching, the timing of this, because we are ending this today which of course is Palm Sunday. And it was through the East Gate that Jesus rode in on the colt and the palm branches were laid down. This gate signifies the return of Jesus. That's what it prophetically means. This gate has to be open. Now, here's the thing. We know that before, when nobody knows when Jesus is coming. Not even Jesus, only the Father knows. We talked about that. But, but he is definitely on the move, isn't he? There is an awakening that is hitting even our nation, and it is tremendously exciting. But you might miss it, I might miss it, if we're wrestling with offense. Now this gate, if you recall, was walled up by uh, one of the rulers of the Ottoman Empire, and he blocked it with six feet of brick and concrete. And he didn't just do that, he also uh, decided to bury a bunch of dead people in front of the entrance because uh, scholars believe that the story was he was told that Messiah would return through that gate. Well, he was Muslim. He didn't want that. So he figured, you want to really offend Messiah, you plant, plant dead Muslims at the gates. Of course, Jesus isn't scared of death. He actually overcame it. But listen, offense can threaten your participation in any move of God. Yes. We don't want to miss this, so this gate needs to be unblocked. We need to be aware of the fact that I, I, I cited two main offenses that I'm seeing. Number one is church people who are offended by change. We're more interested in our laws than we are in people getting loved. And we need to change that. So we, we kind of had to come to grips with that. Then the other one was de-churched people offended by church. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. And they don't want to have anything to do with church. However, listen, Jesus loves the church. It says Christ died for the church. So uh, listen, we can be a part of, of making this better, but things don't change if we're not involved. So those of us who have struggled with that, listen, come on, let go of the offense and let's step into a move of God. The next gate, wow, I was waiting for, I was like, yeah, okay, good, move on. All right. We don't want to be walled up by offense. Come on. Offense, remember, is a fence. Let's just not. I love that line, don't you? <laughs> I'd a never use it because I thought everybody knew it. Oh, I love it. Every time you say it, it grabs me. Offense is offense. It is. Offense is a fence. It is Get a it? barrier. Yep. All right. 
All right, the last gate we covered last week, and that is the inspection gate. This gate also must remain open. This is the judgment seat. This gate prophetically talks about that Jesus will return again, and when he does, judgment will happen. Now, we talked about like the discomfort of that whole idea because in the end, how we see God impacts how we live God, mm-hmm. right? And so we need to know that if you're a believer, um, and by the way, I want to stick to these notes here, everyone has this gate. Not one of us, whether you're here in this building or you're not, gets away without having this gate. We will all stand before judgment, right? But listen, is God judge or father to you? It depends on whether or not you know him. Have you invited him to be savior of your life? Is he your king? Because if you know him, if you don't know him in that way, he is a judge to you. And the judgment that you face is heaven or hell. However, if you have given your life to Jesus, God is your father. Yeah. So the judgment that you face is you stand before him and, and, and we will give an account for the things that we've done in our lives, but it's not a heaven or hell issue. It's, listen, did you get the reward? Remember, we talked about it being um, the word bima, which came from the Olympic platform where the runners were uh, awarded. And uh, that's what we're talking about there. Is he your dad or is he your judge? All right. So many people, we had that big blizzard last week. Yeah. And so many people weren't here. And I don't know, I'm sure many of you were online. But this, this gate, this, this um, inspection gate speaks to me so deeply because yeah. I spent so much of my life being afraid of God. Me too. Can you just talk a little bit more about the meaning of judgment? Because there might be somebody here that what, didn't hear last week. We need to know really what the meaning of judge is from a Hebraic understanding. So we talked, we, we didn't cover it in detail, but um, we did talk about how judgment is a decision, right? It's, and not, it's not rejection. No, it's not, it's not I'm gonna cancel you because you don't, you don't, you're not who I want. Like you don't live like I like or you don't believe what I believe. It's not like that. It's you stand, you stand in a place and a decision is made, all right? Um, this is super critical in our relationship with God because uh, I made the statement that growing up religious, God was a big, scary dude with a club in his hand waiting waiting to beat the hell out of me for everything I do wrong. Me too. And it's really hard to trust a God like that, whether or not he's going to be engaged in your life because you're sort of innately aware that you're, you're a very small person. And so a God that big, does he care enough to get engaged in what you're dealing with? That's why this is so important. And we felt like there needed to be clarity brought to this because God is crazy about you. Yes, he is. He's your daddy. And if that offends you, good. <laughs> Actually, the Bible calls him Abba Father. And yes, Jesus said, you get to call him Abba yes, Father. Yes, and in yes, Hebrew, yes, yes. that's daddy. It's not disrespectful. It's, it's who he is to you. It's what you get to call him and know him as if your life is committed to him. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor. 
and he will walk with you. I mean, it's just, it's so amazing, that revelation. Yeah. It, yeah. it, is, it has changed my life, and it's changed your life, yeah. which oh, is why yeah. we geek out on it so much. Yeah. But you, if you're walking with Jesus, you can look forward to standing before the judgment seat of Christ and receiving rewards, not shame. That's what the Bible says. Maybe you've been taught differently, but that's, that's awesome. Okay, now I have... Um, uh, wandered into my own application. <laughs> Let's turn it out to you guys. Same question as last time. Talk around your tables. What has hit you about these five gates? And go ahead and share with your, your table members. And then uh, table hosts, if you feel led and you want to, you're welcome to pray with your table group. All right, and maybe somebody has expressed something. Uh, they want to break through one of these gates. They need some repairs on one of these gates. You're welcome to pray around a table if you want to. All right, go ahead. gather you in. I'm going to gather you in. You know, somebody asked me, um, and I'm sure that it's the topic of discussion for more than one table, and that is, what if you've never known a good earthly father? That's a really real question. How many of you here today, let me get your attention, how many of you here today would say, I have the perfect father? Raise your hand. Okay, so a couple of you, you don't count. <laughs> You know, through this whole thing, it, there, is this, there is this underlying invitation from God. This whole series is an invitation. Do you recognize that? The whole thing is about Father God speaking to your heart and saying, do you think maybe there's more to me than what you have found?
There's no perfect earthly father. And I said to someone recently when we were discussing this, you know, he's the father of your dreams. I don't mean that lightly. He's the perfect dad that maybe you never knew. I didn't have a perfect father. My dad's a good man, but he never had time. So I spent my whole life trying to get God's attention. That might seem like nothing to you, but when you're trying to receive the grace of God in your life, that can cause some problems. Now here's what I want you to do. Wherever you are in this conundrum, it does, listen, this conundrum matters, but I can't fix it for you. Only God can. I can tell you lots of things and it's not going to make everything okay. What I can do is pray and we can invite Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting for you. Because there is an invitation and I felt this morning as you, were, as you were talking or just watching this cool exchange, number one, some of you, some of you are seated around the table because you needed a change today. You're too comfortable in the norm. And so we have, we have broken up that system just by saying, have a seat at the table. There are others of you who've never been here before and believe me, as an introvert, this is not my idea of a good time. But there is something that you need to hear today. And if you came in and sat down late and then left early, you might miss what Holy Spirit has for you. So he has your undivided attention, doesn't he? How about, how about we do this? Because he said to me, you know, I want to fast track people. If you are looking at some of the things we've talked about today and you're like, man, I got, I, like every single gate needs work. My wall is even down. There's good news for you. You don't have to do it by yourself. Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. And I felt like there was this invitation this morning to a fast tracking in this thing. God wants you whole. He wants you healed. He wants you to hear. He wants you to come into a revelation of his goodness, the like of which you have never known before. Because he is a good father. His motive is good. So if that's you, I just want you to be brave and stand. That means you might back your chair up into your neighbor. That's okay. Go ahead. Come on. Somebody's got to do it. Oh, there we've got some brave ones. I'm standing too. I'm standing too. That garbage gate, that trash gate, man, it's real. Okay, now here's, here's the deal. Um, we're about to pray for these who are standing. And if you are at their table, you can reach your hands out toward them. You can touch them on the, on the arm or the shoulder if, they, if they're okay with that. 
And if there's nobody standing at your table, then just extend your hand toward them. And man, if you're, if you're battling with, I don't want people to see me stand up in this great big huge room where everybody's sitting low, don't miss your opportunity. So I'm gonna give you just three more seconds to get in on this. All right, now we're gonna pray. So go ahead and extend your hands toward these. Jesus, you are such a miracle working God. You do things that are outside of ordinary because you are so extraordinary. And each of these today who stands is saying, listen, I, 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 I've got an overwhelming uh, mess here that, that I, I want to get addressed. And so Jesus, you want to do that for them. And so we lift them up right now. And we speak wholeness into their cities in Jesus' name. We speak healing of the the broken down places the places that they just they've been functioning this way for a long time and they know it's wrong god meet them where they are and you do the heavy lifting here the gates the gates that that are broken down and their bars and 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 their hinges are no more god would you just establish them right now just establish them right now And Father, I speak to those who maybe didn't have the courage to stand but are going, man, there's something here. I don't really know what it is. But I want to know God the way that that they're talking about here today. I I would like to know that God really is not not just as good as the book says he is, but he's better than that. God, you are alive. You are real. Jesus, you, you are still human as you are God. You're God incarnate. And you have a plan for each of us. And you want to connect. You want to be relational with us. And so we just open the door today. We just open today our hearts and our minds. And I ask that you would flood in, that you would rush in. Let's everybody stand. Because we're about to step into worship. This is Susie Hunkin, and she just wanted to tag team pray with you. As I was sitting there, I was thinking, there's many fish in our cities. Family members that need Jesus, that need those walls built up, and we're the ones to pray for them, we're the ones to come alongside them, we're the ones to help them identify their broken down walls, we're the ones to help them identify their garbage, we're the ones to help them lead them to Jesus. I know in my life, I have people that need him so badly. And I can see where they need him, and I can see their brokenness, I can see their pain, I can see that they need him 
And I know that every person that's standing here this morning has that family member, has that um, co-worker, has that person in their life that they deal with every single day that need their walls built up, that need to come to Jesus, that need the living water, that need help taking the trash out. And so that's what I'm Heavenly Father, you are such a great and awesome and wonderful God. We love you from the bottom of our hearts. And for those of us that can identify those people in our lives that are so broken and in need of a Heavenly Father that loves them beyond all measure, Lord, that you are with them. You are hovering over them. You are waiting for them to turn to you. You are waiting for them to come into the gate. You are waiting for them, Lord. I just pray that you would help us as Nehemiah's and his gate repairers and rebuilders and restorers, Lord, to come alongside them, to help them, to show them Jesus. Lord, that we would know through your Holy Spirit the right words to say, the right arms to put around them, the right shovels to pick up. Lord, the battles to stand with them and to fight for them, to fight with them. Lord, I have children that don't know you. I have children that know you. I have grandchildren that don't have daddies. And Lord, that are just so much brokenness. But Lord, I know that you are the rebuilder, restorer, repairer. Lord, you are the redeemer. And Lord, I know that you love them with a love that is just beyond our imagination. And so I pray that each person here that has a person in their life, Lord, that you would just fill them with your Holy Spirit and that you would give them insight and love and mercy and grace for them, Lord, and that you would bring these people back to you, that you would bring my loved ones back to to me and to you. Lord, that you would be high and lifted up. Lord, that their gates would be open that need to be opened and that their doors would be shut that would need to be shut, Lord, and that they would walk in fellowship and hunger and thirst after you. Give us the knowledge and the wisdom to know how to love them back to you. In Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus. Amen.